Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Claire, you are on the podcast. Yep, we are recording. You're up. How's it going? How you feeling? Welcome. I think you're my first one of 2023, to be honest with you. Oh, nice all right. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It crept up on us. It's like, wow, here we are. <laughs> so just so the audience kind of gets a better idea of who you are, you seem to have or have had your hand in a lot of different areas in life as far as like politics, acting, uh, yeah. got your own podcast. I mean, you want to explain a little bit how this came about, maybe a little bit brief background about yourself or go from there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have been a little all over the place, um, which I think is okay. It's funny, I'm actually reading this book right now. I think it's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And it's all about committing to one thing and like really honing your craft. So I think that's my resolution for 2023 is to commit to something and not just change gears all of a sudden. But when I went to college, I was a communications major and emphasized in theater and film. Um, still, you know, love theater and the arts and storytelling. Um, and then I did some real estate. I ran for political office. And I think at the end of the day, I've been trying to find out how I can like most impact my community. Is that through, is that through film? Is that through politics? Is that through community volunteer work? Um, and I'm still trying to figure out like what's best suited for me, but I think that's the through line with everything is having an impact, having a voice, making a good impression on people. Mm. And right now um, I'm finding that through the podcast and our podcast go behind the ballot is all about demystifying Texas politics and educating people. Cause when I ran for office, I discovered how people don't really understand, like they kind of understand politics, but not the um, just like the complexities of it. And sure. I wanted to help make that a little more accessible to people and myself. <laughs> well, all right. Hopefully I remember that last thing you just said but i want to go back to the book you were just reading about grit and what basically what you said was that you should focus on one thing in life rather than seven several different factors and try to be good at all yeah 
Yeah, this researcher, she she discovered, you know, how we'll see like Olympians, uh, like Olympic swimmers or these people who really thrive in the military. Like she like at the beginning of the book, they talk about how um, they have cadets who will go to West Point and on paper, you would think they would all pass that like basic training that like hell week or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And yet there's some who just like can't hack it, can't just like persevere through the real tough times. And she's trying to figure out what is that thing that makes people give up and decide I I can't, I can't, I can't stick to it. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to figure out, but some people are a little grittier than others. And a lot of it is this mentality of like, I'm going to, I'm going to pick myself back up. I, I'm not going to let like, like one setback get me off my course. And, um, by studying like athletes and people who are like doing it over and over again, you see the end product and you're like, wow, they, it looks so effortless, but you don't see that small incremental effort they put into it. So yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, I think so often we'll see people on stage or we'll see people at like the pinnacle and you assume like, oh, it must, it must come so easy to them. Or at least I'll tell myself that. And then it's like, you don't see like all the grinding that they do to get where they are. And uh, I'm sure some people, you know, it's like nepotism and doors are open, but I think generally like there's a lot that you have to do to be at the top of your career, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like the iceberg theory. You know, you, this is what you just said. You don't see what they're actually doing behind closed doors to actually be at the ter- certain level of their game. But, um, but in talking about what you said, like people giving up and, or either pushing through with commitment, sheer will and focus or whatever. You, do you think a lot of that's nature versus nurture, just depending on how your genetic makeup is and just, or, or just how you grow up in life and the life experiences you come about, you know, where you found out you like the arts and politics and mm-hmm. good along with that. Yeah, it's probably uh, earlier today, um, Hidden Brain, where they were talking about like really discovering what you are truly passionate about and like put on this earth to do. But we have all these competing forces um, telling us, you know, to be successful means this, it looks like this. So instead of actually tuning into what you are good at, you're also thinking, but I have to make money, but I have to be recognized and get accolades. There's also that component of it on top of what you want to love. And then what you love something, but that it's, it's like a marriage, like, right. Like it's work. Like at the end of the day, it's not always going to be great. Even if you're like, I love playing the piano. There's going to be days you're like, I don't want to do this, but it's that consistency that really is what makes those people like go to the next level and become like true experts in their field. So I don't know. I'm sure it's a variety of things. I I know I came from a family that was like, suck it up. (laughs) You need to uh, go to school every day, even if you're a little sick, Um, you know, stick to your commitments, honor your commitments. That's a big thing for me. So I think there is part of that. But then when you're a grown up, you're going to, do you? <laughs> I think. Exactly. No, that was one of my things that I had an uncle tell me during college, you know, no matter how much you party, you know, how, however much you go out or skip, you know, skip classes or whatever. If you just keep showing up, that's like 90% of success. And a lot of that just stuck with me. Like, so no matter what, like I always made myself, yeah, I did miss a few classes here and there, but I always ultimately try to make myself go to class. And and I found out that it worked for me, you know, just even though if I felt terrible, felt hungover or whatever, that I'd be there and I would get something out of it. And then I kind of took that philosophy, I guess, or theory, whatever you want to call it, that 
after college and just use it like no matter what, show up to work, go show up for my workouts, show up for doing this, no matter what, you know, like firm believer of what you're putting into something is what you're going to get out of it. And it might, you know, like you said, it might suck some days and you might not see those results, but it seems like over time and little by little, I guess these compound gains, I guess you want to say that it starts to, you see a little success or see a little more excitement or see that, Hey, the hard work is finally paying off and that, it's not just going to waste and that keeps you coming back a little bit more each day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, earlier today I met up with Nicole Abshire. She's a co-host of the podcast that we have together. And before we met up, I made this document, this, well, yeah, this document where I was just making note of like the accomplishments we have done in 2022, like how many podcast episodes we released, how many people we interviewed, all these things. Cause I think sometimes in the moment you can be like, I haven't done anything. Like I'm just wasting away, especially when you're doing your own thing. Yes. And I was like, no, we've done a lot. So let's like put it down. And those days where I'm having that feeling, I can look it up and be like, you're on the right path. Like there is a track record here. So don't feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's had me thinking a lot, especially obviously we're at just January 3rd that just for these last couple of days, like, okay, what did I do last year? You know? And I'm not one of those guys that needs to have a new new year's resolution goal. Just I, if I want to do something, let's go out and do it, whether it be June or August or whatever, it just makes more sense to me that way. Just rather than start now, than to say, Oh, I'll start next Monday or I'll start three months from now. But I guess it's been a lot of reflection on me with, you know, what I've been doing throughout my life and this podcast and the conversations I've had and the things I've learned and, it's like, what, you know, what have I gotten from everything? And just like kind of what you were saying, that's like, oh, I've, you know, the networking, the lessons I've learned, the other alternate ways of thinking about, you know, even politics that we'll jump into here in a little bit that it's like, hey, you know, this does make sense. And this is not all just going away. It's kind of like what I said earlier, that it's just that it bronze my horizons and keeps me less rigid, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. And, yeah, and it's, it's good so to cool. reflect. Yeah, and it's so cool. I mean, even though I'm not never really been one of these guys that likes to sit down and reflect and think about try to I guess overthink things, but in a sense it helps and kind of brings things back to a balance for me in my head. So I don't know. I guess it's some I guess what I'm just trying to say is I think some people should probably try to sit down more often and think about all the good things and positive things rather than because it's so easy to think about the negative seems to be always one of the first things that comes to mind first, whatever reason yeah. that, that's human psychology or what, but yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think we can be really self-critical. So I also started a document where I was like, Nicole, we're going to put all our achievements. Like there was a list that we came out on recently on Twitter. It was like a top educational, like the top 10 educational podcasts you have to listen to when we were on there and with some other podcasts that are really great. I'm sure they have like, so many more listens than we do. And I was like, I don't know how this happened, but we're going to put this in our little folder and look back on it and say, look what we did. So yeah. Are you an, are you an, are you an avid podcast listener? Is that why you kind of got Oh yeah. Kind of oh yeah. 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 All the time. Yeah. Like I, I'm the same way. Just, it's like my regular nine to five, I guess what I should say is that I got tired of listening to music all the time. Right. And it was just, I stumbled on a podcast and it was starting, this was probably five or six years ago. And then I started to learn new ways of, I guess, living your, living your life and other ways of thinking about you know, specific topics. And it was just like, it was kind of mind blowing to me. Right. And that, and then I, I just drank too much Kool-Aid and I got sucked in. Like, that's my thing now, like mm -hmm. driving or well, driving by myself or just at work when I'm 
doing my stuff on my computer, just putting a podcast and just vibe out and listen, you know, and learn new things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that I just learn a lot more easily through podcasts listening. So, um, it felt like a right fit to have a podcast and, and be like, this is what I like to hear. So maybe this is what other people like to hear (laughs) in our like little niche. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right. So in in talking about your podcast, though, and let's kind of segue this into that and, in uh you actually ran for house district right and that's kind of was that kind of the motivation too like you said earlier like wanting to kind of bring more knowledge to people about politics rather than just what they're getting from the mainstream media yeah yeah so it was almost a year ago that i put my name on the ballot for house district 51 here in texas so that area it's like southeast austin southeast travis county and um it was one of those things where i I like went to different training courses for how to run for office thinking like, I'm going to tuck this away and maybe one day run when my kids are grown and I have my life together. And I don't know. But then the man who was the representative who'd been the representative for 20 years decided to run for Congress. So it created an open seat and people who are like, no politics say, if you're going to run, it's really advantageous to run in an open seat because incumbents are hard to beat. People have been there forever. So I was like, you know what? What the hell? Like, I, I'm going to put my hat in the ring. Um, it was going to be a short-ish race because I was trying to be the Democratic nominee and the Democrat always wins this district. So if I won the primary, I was going to basically be the rep. But in the end, it was me and six other people. I think we were the biggest primary race in Texas. And uh, I knew it was like a long shot, but I I more thought I was going to regret not running. So I was like, I got to I got to try this now and who knows what other doors will be open in the end maybe i'll win so ran um i ended up coming in fourth so i mean not bad considering like what i was up against and that it was basically me like running my own little show um and then through that experience i was like whoa this is what it looks like on the other side this is weird i feel like not a lot of people really understand what it means to be a candidate um, and why it's important to have like norm quote normal people in office because I don't I don't know if you know or your listeners know but at least here in Texas the typical mold of our legislators at the Capitol Texas Capitol are old white men who are rich and attorneys so like not me at all like I'm a mom I'm not that old I'm 37 uh, I have two little boys my mom is Mexican so I was like hey, like maybe if I run, people will be encouraged to see a candidate like them and potentially an elected official because they don't represent like the population. Texas is very diverse. So from running, I I was like initially thinking I wanted to write a book about the experience, how to be like a super grassroots candidate and to encourage people to run. Like if you don't win, you should still run. If you like, okay, let me back up. Okay. You never know if you're going to win or lose. So right. don't assume you're going to lose. <laughs> like you always have a chance. Doesn't matter. But if you don't win, there's other things you're going to quote, you know, win along the way. Like I said, like opportunities, you're going to, you're going to get a spotlight. You're going to be able to utilize that um, opportunity for something. So just incur- I wanted to encourage people like just run, 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 run. But then I was like, wait a minute, you can't just put a book out into the world. You have to have an audience. And then I was like, oh, well, then I'll do a podcast and that'll build the audience for this imaginary book, which I actually have started, but it's for another day. Okay. <laughs> um, and then the podcast initially I thought was going to be about 
candidates who had lost and highlight their stories. But then with Nicole, we decided that we should probably back up and educate people on how politics actually works. So that's the angle we've taken and where the focus has been. So um, right now, our whole mission is to help just teach people what these different big issues are about, like public education and elections and the culture wars and all that. There's so much that that we're just trying to help give a, a nice foundational knowledge on. Yeah. I mean, when you start, I mean, it can't be considered a hot topic, but a topic like politics, it's so deep that it's almost a never ending rabbit hole where you can take it, you know, as yeah. well, let's talk to you said, education, culture, uh, you know, I don't know what, what, I don't even know what it's really like in Austin, but just even like with buildings, they're being zoned in and out, you know, and yep. I sit mm-hmm. on, well, I don't really sit on the city council, but um, part of my job, I have to do all the technology for where I live at for their, our city council, where they go have their meetings and people come in and do debates and they discuss what's good for the city and what's not good for the city. And, and that's been besides as, as far as my experience with politics is getting it from pod or mainstream media just that oh okay so this is kind of be sitting on the outside looking in but right like right here where people this city council is thinking and why they're thinking what they're thinking based on the information they're given but behind closed doors i don't get to hear any of you know what they're actually are thinking i guess is a way to put that mm-hmm. you know and what they actually might be saying to the other council members when there's not you know too many years around and and it's good because a lot of it's just like me putting a bunch of things together, but where you're sharing stuff and like, Hey, what's like building a house. we got to put a steady foundation here. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what type of politics you believe in. And if you believe in a lot of political corruption, that this is essentially how it's supposed to work rather than mm-hmm. just you scratch my back. I scratch your back. Hey, who's got more money in their pocket than the others. And then what's like you said, with a bunch of, you know, older white man who was still kind of running Austin or something along with that. And then, Texas, I, yeah. Okay, yeah, Texas. I mean, and, and then that can even go to the federal level where, I mean, I guess this might be more tinfoil hat speaking, just withhold the deep state kind of thing where people get these specific positions, which I'm not really sure what they are. So I'm not going to quote anything, but they stay in these positions because they don't have to run again for anything. And they just stay and stay and stay. And they don't never really change anything just because of they might have the mentality if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or, I mean, I'm all into politics for what my best interest is rather than just the good of the people, so to speak. I hope that kind of makes sense what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it makes sense. I, I think, yeah, um, it makes sense. Um, I, what Nicole and I are really interested in is, we talk about this a lot on the show, like this idea of, of invisible machinery. Like what is this invisible machinery that's really running everything And a lot of it is entrenched power. It's politicians who've been there forever. And it's like, why have they been there forever? Oh, because it's really hard to challenge a candidate who has name ID and who isn't deciding that they're going to stop being an elected official. It's so easy to just stay in that place. Even if you're terrible, people are, they, they like the devil that they know, really. So it's just so hard to mount a challenge against them. Because you need money, you need name ID, you need, you have to have a lot of privilege to run. Because like here in Texas, our state representatives meet every other year for 140 days, and they only make like $7,200 a year. So you're not going to make your income from being a state representative, you have to have your own career, or you have to like, in my case, I was really fortunate, my husband would, his income would cover all of our expenses. But like that really limits who can even 
be a representative. And it's like, uh, what system is this? I thought representatives were supposed to like represent the people, but it only represents certain people because only certain people can run. And it's like that for a lot of positions, like school board trustees make no money. They're basically elected volunteers here in Texas. um, City council in Austin, it's like a decent salary. I think it's like $80,000, but Austin's expensive. So even that can only go so far. But yeah, I mean, so many of these jobs, um, they, they, it's like such a hurdle. And then like the other thing that's a big deal is like, we don't have a lot of women that run for office because we are raising our families or we're doing all these other things or putting other people in front. So again, you, you don't, you don't get all these voices in the room that I wish we could have. And that's because the system's designed this way. And it would be nice if it was changed. Are you going to see in your opinion, and this, I don't have any facts or figures or statistics statistics in front of me, but you know, I randomly do hear stuff on, like I said, my podcast I listen to or whatever, but it seems like there is a trend and maybe it's not a trend, but it's like a, um, I'm going to say a trend where more women are waiting to have children and families just because they're wanting to focus on higher careers and actually being more independent to themselves where they can actually take on positions like you're talking about rather than just saying, Oh wait, I can't because I have two kids. I who's going to watch the kids and whatever. Not saying that the husband shouldn't watch the kids or anything, but that's kind of the based on what I've been hearing and reading in a vague sense. That's what we're seeing. I mean, do you, are, do you think with this trend, I guess, that we're going to start seeing more women uh, becoming more involved in politics, especially with like, who's it? Uh, I can't even remember the one girl I know. So I think she was trying to run in Hawaii. Tulsi? Tulsi? Is that um, Tulsi? running for president? No, not for president. Well, Tulsi Gavin? No, Tulsi. Hold on, let me look it up. But she was, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Gabbard, Tulsi Gabbard. She was a former United States representative. And I think she was trying to get on the ballot for president, but maybe she didn't get on. Yeah, I think she was a candidate. There we go. President. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it seems like she's kind of been a big influence, especially, you know, with Joe Rogan being in Austin. She was on his podcast, and I think, a couple of times and oh. out there talking about, you know, her thoughts and views. And not that she was touched on what we're just talking about, but uh, she made a lot of headway, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because yeah, women are definitely waiting till later in their life to have kids. I think for me, and maybe this is kind of a phenomenon you're seeing as well. I want to say it was in 2018, a lot of women ran in the midterm elections and we saw more women elected to office. And I think it was a little bit of reaction to when Trump won the presidency because everyone was like, he's not a politician. Like, what does this guy know? He's not, he's outside the mold. And that was attractive to a lot of people. But I think for myself, maybe some other women, we think I'm not there yet to where I, I'm ready to run. Like I need to do all these other things. I need to, I don't know, like be a staffer, like become an attorney. Like I had this list of all this stuff I had to do. And then you see someone like Trump win and you're like, wait a minute, that's actually thrown out the window. Like this guy doesn't really have the qualifications we imagine you have to have. And I know I really care a lot about my community and I can figure this stuff out because I'm a smart, competent person. So I'm not going to disqualify myself. I'm I'm going to self-nominate and yeah. see where it takes me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and taking on something like this, I mean, this is just something I've been like, I told you, I've been doing a lot of reflection lately, but you know, it's easy to compare yourself 
compare yourself to others, which is very, uh, Roosevelt said, a thief of joy, right? And so that when you start to do that, notice that you start to be compared to candidate A versus B versus C, and they have a, you know, a, a lawyer background. And plus, I've already done a couple staffing stuff, like you said, and, you know, did an internship in the White House. You start to compare yourself to them and, and like, oh, wait, I can't do this just because, I, you know, how do I add myself up to what they have going on? And you immediately shut yourself down. But, and that goes from just not even politics, but almost everything in life, you know, going for a job. I mean, going for, you know, a role in some kind of play or whatever, but that it seems like that a lot of us are just, I don't want to say we're making it up and we're just kind of faking it until we're making it. Cause I don't really like that term, but you know, we're just kind of going through this and just trying things out and basically just throwing, I'm not saying we're all throwing shit on the wall and seeing what sticks or what happens, but I mean, we're taking chances and you have to learn to take these chances. And it's like you said, yeah, you know, it could have been really bad or, you know, where you won or you could have been, you finished last, but you didn't, you know, you finished fourth and that's great. And that it's very inspiring. And that just, even though not having a certain background, but knowing even if you're going in with the right intentions, I guess, and the right, yeah, the right intentions that, you can learn stuff along the way, you know, and there's a great quote that says like, once you see the way things, once you see things the way broadly you see it in all things, it's something like that. So it's like, well, once you see it a certain way that you can take this experience and take it over to, you know, becoming a teacher without experience, so to speak. Right. But you just kind of figure it out along the way, if you're willing to do the work and learn new things and just stay true to your morals and values. And it seems like that's And that's what I, I'm kind of hearing from you. And it seems pretty badass, to be honest with you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people say like, oh, like, that's cool. You did that. I could never do that. I'm just like, why not? Like, you, yeah. you could do anything if you are just a little courageous and, you know, have the determination and the tenacity to do it. Um, like after my second son was born, he turned two recently. I started to play tennis. I just like, I had no idea how to play tennis. I like grabbed a racket and was like bouncing the ball and it was going all over the place. Um, but I don't know. I could have been like, I can't learn this. I'm too old or whatever, sure. but now it's great. And I love it. And I'm realizing, Oh, like there's so many comparables of tennis to other things like the competitiveness and the strategy and yeah, the, the showing up, just like showing up and getting a little better and a little better. Um, and I, I wish more people would do that. I wish more people would just like take risks and just jump and trust. You're not, you're yeah. like the analogy I kept thinking about when I was just deciding if I was going to run, like, am I really going to do this? This sounds crazy. It was like, I felt like I was jumping into a pool and I was like, God, I hope there's water there. Otherwise this is really going to hurt. <laughs> well, there was, and I was fine. And it's, I think I'm even stronger. So yeah, I think it's good to 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 do it. Just go for it. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can, it's like always a learning experience, you know. Just because of you know the outcome doesn't do the way you want it to be, that doesn't mean you have to quit and fail. I mean, just okay, cool. This didn't work. Let's try something different, or whatever. You know, let's keep moving with your goals. I mean, just don't let stuff just shut you down. But and one question I wanted to ask you though is like when you started running and you went through the whole, I guess, campaign process. I mean, were your thoughts thinking that you know, most people go into politics with good intentions, but kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier in the podcast, that somewhere along the way, they easily get into looking just for themselves, you know, very narcissistic rather than just, hey, I'm here for just uh, trying to change public education for the better, or public safety or more money for libraries and inner city schools and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's hard 
Oh man, it's hard to like get into their heads. I mean, I realized how much work it was to run and the work I imagine it takes to actually win. Cause like the woman who did end up winning our race, she had run two times, two or three times previously. So when this opportunity rolled around, she had all her ducks in a row. Like she, she won fair and square. She put in the work, she raised the money, she did what she had to do. And I respect all of that. So I don't know if it's a situation where you do that heavy lift, you get into office. And I think some people maybe think I'm not, I, I'm here. I am not going anywhere. I, I like busted my butt, but it's like, you're there to make good choices for your community. And if that means you're going to lose your position because you make an unquote unpopular vote, so be it. That's how I feel. But enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I'm not, I'm not in their shoes. So maybe it's easy for me to say on this side of things, but that's what I think. I think I can't imagine, you know, like people will be like, oh, do you have bigger aspirations to be a this or that? I'm like, my aspiration was to win that race and then see what happens next. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I never gamed it out that way. Like, and then I'm going to be this and then I'm going to be that. It's like, but for what? Like, that's all meaningless if you're not actually serving the people who you're representing. And to me, like that, that's what you got to be doing. And if it works so that you're reelected, awesome. And if it doesn't, you, you know, that you did what was right. Yeah. I generally think that in our world, especially in our modern world today, that most people still want to be, and I could be just very green for even saying this or thinking, thinking about this, but most people generally want to be kind and, help each other out and help each other succeed in this world. And that, yeah, there's always a few what uh, outliers to that statement, but that, you know, because without that, we wouldn't be able to live in, you know, a basically our society or culture today, it would be just a basically lawless society where just people were just, you know, doing what they wanted to wrecking in the cars, not be, you know, acting like idiots going, just going to get groceries. And which I know in some areas, you know, like San Francisco, what they're still in so much, stuff out of stores and just not forgot how that is really working right now. But for the most part, that's not going on all over the world. It's just these random occurrences that you're hearing and that 
I guess that's why I asked that. I, and I think most people generally were was like, oh, yes, I can make a difference. I want to do something better. I want to help. You know, I, some, you know, somewhere along the way, a mentor or they found somebody that helped them to get to where they are at in life. And they're like, hey, maybe I can do something to extend their, <clears throat> you know, what put forward the favor, whatever it's called. And that, yeah, somewhere down the road, it just, you know, shit changes. And, you know, because, you know, you get faced with one of the decisions in life. You know, would you rather have, $10,000 today or a million dollars in, you know, a few years, if you do this the way we wanted to do it, you know, like I said, scratch your back, scratch my back. And then it goes down this evil dark road and part of the dark arts that you never wanted to, you never thought that was going to happen or never thought you'd even be faced within, you know, these, uh, these lifetimes, these certain decisions and these dark things that you just kind of never really hear you know about them, but you never really get to experience them full blown. You know, and that's one thing that I've seen and not, not with, I have any political experience, but it's just things that I have seen just being in certain positions I've been. It's like, wow, that stuff kind of really happens. And I never would have thought about that. And just, and, you know, it makes me think, like, what would I do? You know, does your conscience ever, you know, overcome with you or do you actually just fight it and just say, stay true to yourself, you know, stick to your guns? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just yeah. stuff. It's, it's tough out there. And, but, but again, generally, I just think most people are doing things to be good and to do better in this world where I hope. So. Yeah. I think so too. I think most people have a, I think we all have like a real strong sense of what's fair and fairness and <clears throat> wanting to help one another. I think when people do bad things, it's because of like out of desperation, like, or boredom. Like if we had, I think if more people's needs were met, you would see like less crime, but that, that requires policy change and a shift away from kind of like this consumeristic world that we're in. And I don't know how you change that. That's a, I have ideas on how you change that, but man, that would be hard to do. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, yeah, we just have to uh, be a little bit more gracious, I think, and kind with with one another when we have that opportunity. What do you think, you know, as far as, you know, I don't really, I'm in Virginia, so I don't really, I've never been to Texas, so I don't know a lot about Austin or Texas in general, just based on what I hear whenever I'm listening to podcasts, like I said earlier, but I mean, what's your, I mean, what's you, what were you running on? Were you running on like, hey, let's support or, you know, I don't, this might be stupid questions too. Like, hey, let's get better. Is it like the normal stuff, better education, uh, better, you know, I think, wasn't there a big homeless problem in Austin there for a while? And they started to clean that up by giving them hotels and, or old. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what was your basis? I mean, what was your thing? I mean, yeah. The big thing I was running on was, was public education. Um, a lot of the work I've done leading up to running was around um, volunteering in my local school district and being like hyper involved, um, helping with the librarian, helping raise money for the school district, helping with this program called Food and Tummies, where we gave food to kids at two schools over the weekend because they had really high free or reduced lunch enrollment. So the idea was like, these kids probably don't have as much access to food over the weekend. Let's provide it for them. Um, and, and being in the schools, I saw how much the teachers did, how how they just were always so involved and went above and beyond. And just like, they're the best people in the world that they're so committed to their careers. And yet in Texas, there's been a big attack on teachers and 
I don't know, just saying that they um, are indoctrinating our children and we need to start banning books and parents need to have more rights and control over curriculum and just what felt like crazy stuff. And that was really frustrating to me because I had that firsthand experience and I was like, uh, what are you talking about? Like, have you, have you actually set foot in a school? Do you know what you're, what you're speaking about here? So I wanted to be the person that was standing up for teachers and saying, not only are they doing amazing, we need to support them more. They need to be paid more. We need to stop um, undermining their authority and, and as adults being disrespectful to them, because then our kids will see that and they'll be disrespectful and kind. And we're going to not have a really great education system, free public education system. We're also seeing a lot of moves in Texas to have more charter schools, create vouchers, like this slow slide into privatization. And I'm just like, that is the worst direction we could, like, I don't want to go that direction. I don't want to see that happen. And if I can stop it, I'm going to try to stop it. Is that because people are fed up with the public education system and based on what, I guess, how their kids or students are performing based on scores and tests. And I guess where I'm getting that from is like Dr. Phil, I heard him on a podcast talking about how most educational systems, and I don't know which ones and for sure he was talking about, but uh, basically this in general, he was just saying that everything's become mediocre and that they're lowering down to grade scales that so if people or students can get a C, they're getting like a, I think it was like an 80 on stuff and they still get a C or it was something like that. It was this, you know, the school, like the Grade school I went to was like 94 to 100 was an A. And like now that would be you know, like an A plus, I guess basically what he was saying. And that, and I guess, and I and I have have and I have I've had other guests on here, and one his name's Connor. He was from Utah, and he was actually talking about and making a theory for having more people homeschool their children rather than throw them into public education just because of the better learning experiences and usually the better ways of or setting them up for success compared to public education. Oh, where'd you go? Did you quit? You froze. Oh, you're okay, back. Okay, sorry. I, I lost you again for a second. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, my internet's been acting weird these past couple of weeks. I don't know if they're working on lines or whatever, but you're back. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot there. In Texas, our, our, we have a account school accountability system called... Um, the A through F rating scale, which I think a lot of states do. So schools get a specific rating. And a lot of that's based on this thing called the star test where they test kids on like reading and math and the the school gets a, a rating. They get like a, a C or a D or an A or whatever. Um, but when you really like dig into the data, some journalists have hypothesized that what these testing systems are telling us not so much about how kids are performing, but which schools are in wealthy areas and which aren't in wealthy areas, because you have a lot of teaching to the test. And um, they're, they're really testing how good these kids are at taking tests, not so much at the, their comprehensive knowledge. Hmm. The other thing I think that we have to keep in mind is that schools are doing so much more than just ABCs and one, two, threes, like in some of these areas um, they're doing, they're, they're like providing healthcare for kids and vaccine clinics. And they're, they're having to take care of so much more, the social emotional well-being of kids that it's strange 
we're not putting more money into our public education system when they're doing all these extra things. And I don't know. I mean, you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of public education? Like, is it to, 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 to just teach kids this, this core subjects, or is it to make them good members of society to help them understand how our, our government system works and participate in our democracy? You know, homeschooling, it's a completely different, it's a completely different idea of what you think education is for. And if you want to make your kid very proficient in STEM or whatever it is, you can probably do that because it's so one-on-one, but when you're in a public school, you have so many more opportunities for socialization to be around different kids to like develop that skill set. So it's really a different way, but I mean, that's where I think we're we're like, sometimes here in Texas, we'll hear parental choice. If that's what you want to do with your family, you have that right, you know, but to say that a public school should do it a particular way, because that's how you want it. Isn't as fair. It should be more about the collective. Like what should we be doing here for the betterment of our, collective body of texas students yeah yeah i can agree with that statement that and you know i don't have any kids i'm just a single guy i have two dogs back here but i don't know if you saw but it just makes me wonder just because i was one of those guys that went through public education and was told that you know obviously the more education you get you know go to college you know get a master's degree blah 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 you'll be you know successful in all things in life and you know, be able to run the world, I guess, to a certain extent in that. But that was back, you know, I'm a young 36 years old, but that now it's just wondering if it, if it is the modern world where people are getting more educational value through YouTube and podcasts and actually teaching students to how to think rather than what to think. And that, and I wonder if that's mm-hmm. where, and, I, and I'm not knocking public education by any means, because, you know, it did me pretty well. And I picked up a lot of my social skills, I guess, from it and a lot of things that, and especially growing up in a very, very rural farm area that I would never would have gotten if I would have not went to public school. But I just remember just saying that, you know, in certain areas we were taught this and this is the way it was. And this because this is the way the book was wrote and you just go with it like this. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. But there was also never any opportunities or that I can think of out loud that we're just where we could challenge the status quo to speak and just, you know, ask, wait, 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 is that really how it was supposed to be? You know, talking about Virginia history, is that really what happened? Or, you know, what if we, you know, said, you know, like where people get so upset about learning that, you know, how Virginia was discovered and stuff in, in my experience. But, but again, I guess there's, it's really ultimately just up to the parents, right? I mean, and what you want. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the parents will just, Yes and no. Like if some parents don't have the means to like homeschool their kids, so they're going to go to public school. Yeah. Um, But when it comes to like what kids learn, even that's interesting because like here in Texas, we have the state board of education and they decide the curriculum and like what's going to be included in the history books or the science books or whatever. And that's something like elected people are deciding and they do sometimes lean on education experts to give them guidance. But it's like, why do we have elected people deciding what our kids are going to learn or not learn? Uh-huh. That's really weird, but that's how it is. And you know, the Texas um, TEA, the Texas Education Agency, I think that's what it stands for. The head of that is appointed by the governor. So again, like we have someone put in place that 
doesn't necessarily have to have an education background, but they're running the education mm-hmm. agency. So it's very weird when you start to like peel it back and you're like, oh, we're learning this history because these people are in power. Sure. Yeah. And and, and I don't want to make it just that I'm only talking about, you know, uh, elementary or high school education here, but in, and I used to work in higher education, but there was always a, I don't know, I guess it'd be a social narrative or just a narrative in general about how, you know, going to college, most colleges in, the, in these past, what, Trump years, if that's what you want to say, past decade, that they're more leaning left compared to previous years for that. And I'm not here to say they are, or they're not, but it was just a social narrative based on what was being taught in certain classes. And that if you were to, you know, have your opportunity to um, write a paper a certain way, ask a question a certain way that it was almost shot down initially just because the professor who might be leaning one way or the other would initially say that, oh, well, this is the way it is. And this is because I have to say this because of the higher administrations. Right. And that, so yeah, I, I guess that was my point is that I only don't want to say that and not to bring in politics and education, but you know, people are only learning certain specific things probably based on maybe where, education is getting their funding from who's running the colleges you know who is really into politics you know got the right last name and all that good stuff you know and so mm-hmm. but yeah but i mean with my experience yeah. i never really thought that you know like I, I finished my master's in 2012 2013 i think it was and i never really thought that people were just leaning one way or to the other so i don't know if that's just where certain small situations happen and then all of a sudden it's one of those things where that let's just, you know, to say that, you know, if, if I dropped this pin or whatever, I dropped it 10 times, but it's only been 10 times when I've dropped it probably a million times over my whole life. Right. And just that these, this little occurrences just seem to be more nuanced, I guess, than compared to others. And I hope I said that word correctly. So anyway. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like I always hear these words, especially like with nuance and I don't want to take away what I just said, but it's like I try to use them in my sentences and stuff. And that I, for whatever reason, I hear nuance almost every other sentence, it feels like. And it's just like I'm trying to put it into my vocabulary and use it the right way. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do it. Use the word. Yeah. yeah you know, trying words. to keep that growth mindset, keep things going. But I don't mm-hmm. know. But yeah, I mean, but ultimately, I just, I don't know where really I was going with that thought. But I guess it's just all of a matter of just, you know, going to school in Virginia compared to Texas, you might get a completely different education, even if you are one of the yeah. major colleges in each state, you know, whether it be, you know, left, right, working in private higher education compared to public education or public higher education, or even just, you know, elementary education. So I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to ramble on right there. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, my dad was in the military. So I went to school in Georgia in Illinois and then in a few different cities in Texas. And as a kid, I was always really frustrated because the curriculum is so different from different states to different ISDs. And I always felt like I was behind and I had gaps in my education because they don't follow the same path. And I was always like, why isn't education nationalized? Like, why don't we just have something like a streamlined thing that we all have to learn and even back then, I remember just feeling that because of the holes I had, I felt like I had in my education. And I don't know. I don't know why we do it the way we do. I wonder if a lot of, because I'm one of those people that when I got to college, just felt like 
I'm not saying that public education let me down as far as a educational receiving knowledge sense, but I was also, you know, I was bored with school. You know, I was one of those kids who just didn't want to learn and just, and I think that's my experience. And that's not with everybody because there's people who are Val Victorians and want to learn everything that's taught and whatever that's their minds a sponge, you know, they want to learn everything that's being taught to them and no matter what the subject is. But for me, it was almost, and I'm not, Hey, I don't know if it's too hyperactive or just, you know, the stuff I didn't want to learn, but I find myself wanting to learn more now that I'm out of school and just focus on things that I really enjoy. And then I take that and try to transfer it over into other areas of my life, you know, as far as, you know, like right now I'm reading a book on money and finance and which, you know, back in high school, I, you know, I hated to read, you know, even in college, I hated to read. It was just not until I decided to, with my own self, I wanted to have a better mind and a better, I guess, better improvement just because I never wanted I've always been this guy that just worked and did CrossFit and then I just started a podcast. And I never wanted just, I wanted to be more than that, I guess, rather than just you and I having a conversation, rather just be like, Oh, Hey, how was a workout? Oh, cool. What supplements you take sick, bro. Nice. But rather mm-hmm. I can have something cool to say rather than just stuff like that, you know, and just think of my own opinions and wonder why, you know, the education system was built, you know, while Virginia teaches it, differently compared to Georgia and different compared to Illinois and different to California. And it was just cool to experience like what were behind the people who decided to design the things they designed and what purpose. And then that way you can ask, you can ask questions and then you get a better read of it than you understand. And it's cool. That's where. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like I'm still learning a lot about the education system because it's very complicated. And then like you're saying, very different state, state to state and. ISD to ISD. Um, But I feel like the things I have been learning is that education costs a lot of money and yet it still does not have as much money. It still needs a lot more money. And if we put in more money and I think we trusted the educators, it would be such a better experience for kids and parents and like societally, like for all of us collectively, if we just like backed off and let them do their thing. But mm. instead, you have people meddling in there and they're like, well, how do we know that we're getting our money's worth? Oh, we have to have this testing system that's going to tell us if they get an A or an F. And it's like, if all the kids are learning how to read and write at this grade level, can't that just be what it is? And we yeah. don't invest millions of dollars into this test that's just making these test makers rich? And I was one of those kids, I just hated taking tests. And even if I don't know if it was test anxiety or just try to be a, I guess a rebel to, to an extent. Just I, if I got a test, I just didn't want to do it, and I didn't care if I was going to get an A or B or C. I just immediately would just be shut down and just decide that this is stupid. You know, why am I doing this? And and it, and when I, I did PE for my bachelor's degree in college, and you know we had to take certain. I guess they're called practices all over the nation. I guess, but we had to take these practices in order to prove that we actually know what we're talking about, you know, as far as just, Hey, I took a test. Okay. Now I'm certified. Now look, I know exactly what I'm talking about, but it always occurred to me like, Hey, I'm paying 40, 50, $60,000 to go to this public school here. And that when I graduate, I'm supposed to know how to teach PE to kids through K through 12. But now you're telling me I have to take 300 or pay another $300 just to say that, Hey, I passed this test. And now I can be a teacher through the board of, you know, state board of Virginia or whatever it is, educational department of Virginia. 
And it used to piss me off so much because, you know, one, I, I failed a couple of them. So you, then you had to repay to take them again. And it was like, you know, broke college kids. Like, what the hell? And it was just stuff like that. I think just, just like, I don't get why it has to be like, who came up with it? I'm not, I'm not completely knocking certifications because I think, or these search or these tests, because there is some good to them to show that, Hey, I really wanted to go do something big with my life, learn more and actually prove to you that, Hey, you know, I can do this and I got something to show for it now. But but like to your thing, they're like, hey, I can prove to you I know how to teach. I mean, that's why I did student teaching, you know, and no one was, you know, you were observing me right there. So I don't get it. Why do I have to do this test now? So just make somebody extra money for the state. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, we had a podcast episode where we were talking about accountability and assessment and we were just trying to figure out like, why do we have this accountability system? And uh, it was just interesting in that conversation because the woman who was our guest, Laura Subrin-Yeager was just talking about how um, like the testing system like that we have, it's so much about being a good test taker. And she uses like fancy word about like the people who are specific, like that their career is to create tests. Like that feels so tricky. Like, what's this about? Is this like how good you are at playing this game, or is it about knowing, like, truly assessing if someone learned what they were supposed to learn? So that was, yeah, yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah. I have a, and I know we're getting kind of short on time here, but I had a professor in college, and he would actually say, give us like whatever topic it was, and just say, hey, write what you know about this and turn it into me. And like, that was one of the best things. And again, I guess it's case by case scenario, but for me, I mean, that was one of the best things for my mind where I could just write out everything I knew and, you know, discuss it and, you know, like, oh, wait, 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 let me put it, say it this way. And it was kind of, you know, writing and critical thinking at the same time, rather than just me reading a question and then they give you, you know, five different multiple choice answers and they worded a certain stinking way, which is like, are y'all just trying to mess with us right now? You know, and this is, mm -hmm. I get what they're doing just because I guess, like you said, they're paid, they're paid to be test makers, but it's just like, man, you know, like you take a simple question and you make somebody just recount themselves like 45 different times. But yeah, but knowing that taking a test like that and just telling a person, Hey, this is what I know. And this is, how I figured it out. This is what works in my brain and that I can t say it like this compared to just answering, you know, 70 different stupid multiple choice questions. And I hope I actually color them in all the same right mm -hmm. color. And, but, you know, and I don't know if it's, and I did, well, I do know, but it was just one of those things that the stuff like that occurred to me. It's just like, you know, is this the best way? You know, what is the best way? And, you know, I'm not there yet in my life and I don't, you know, this is probably one of the first times I've actually talked about this stuff on this podcast, but it's just, you know, eye opening to me. And I hope it's eye opening to others and think that, you know, you don't always have to do what you're always told to do. There's other alternate ways of looking at things and yeah. don't be afraid to ask questions, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, it also feels like it's this, like it's a system setting up for like, there's winners and there's losers. There's good students and there's bad students. And it's like, don't we want all of our students to know how to read yes. and to write and to speak? Like, would it be so bad if all the schools in Texas got an A? <laughs> and I feel like to some people, they'd be like, yeah, that'd be terrible. We have to rate. We have to have the best and we have to have the worst. Because if you're the best, you are going to have a better life than the worst or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, maybe this is the best way that it can be done. And I don't know if it can, if that is, the, if this is the public education is the best way it can be done, but 
it never hurts us to kind of relook at things and, you know, just take a step back and just say, Hey, let's talk about it for a minute. And just say, just because it's been done the same way for the last 200 years, doesn't mean it has to keep going this way. You know, it's one of those pet peeves that, you know, in job interview or not job interviews, but when you ask your boss or something, this is generally speaking again, of course, that, Hey, you know, why do we do this way? And they say, Oh, it's cause it's always been done that way. It's like, well, that doesn't mean to try it. You know, it doesn't, there's other ways, you know, it's a new age. It's 2023. You know, there's new technology. Mm-hmm. We can do things. We make people's jobs easier, but anyway, that's yeah. either or there. So, um, well, Claire, again, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you for being here. Thanks for talking with me. Um, if people want to find you, if they want to find your podcast or anything you want to plug or promote, feel free to do that. Sure. Yeah, they can. The podcast is called Go Behind the Ballot, and that's on all the podcast channels and on our website, gobehindtheballot.com. Um, same for social media at Go Behind the Ballot. And yeah, I would say check it out. Um, even if you're not in Texas, we still try to uh, just provide helpful information and maybe give you some questions to ask your legislators mm. or to think on like, how, yeah, how is it in my state? I should find that out. So um, yeah, we have listeners from all over. So Thanks. don't feel like if you're not a Texan, it's not for you. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being here again. And um, anything else you want to say or... Leave listeners with or anything like that? Uh, probably just be brave. <laughs> and, well, I, I'm going to take my own advice. We can all be brave together for yeah. our 2023 resolution. <laughs> okay, I love it. Cool. Well, thanks again. And um, that's it. We're good. I'm done. Right, sounds <laughs> good. Right. Bye, everybody. We're out of here. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park